looking at the year ahead, prophetically now. I was praying about what God has for us in the next 12 months, and I had, after two or three hours of just chatting with God, um, I had what I would call a little vision. And I don't have these many very often, so I got quite excited. <laughs> I was just saying, God, show me from your perspective what's going on. I, I, I don't want to just do the obvious thing in front of me. I want to see what you're seeing. And I felt, in, like in, the, in my mind's eye, in the little cinema that plays in my daydreaming, that's <laughs> the best way I can explain it, I, I saw heaven standing with a, like a pregnant silence, like um, a deep pause in heaven with like electric attention towards God. And I saw God looking at the earth and then occasionally he would point, he'd just point to a, a point on the globe. And as he pointed, I just saw angels mobilize and start to go, and, and, and then they'd wait again, and then he'd point again, and more angels would just be dispatched. They already knew what the, the task was, but he was just dispatching angels to the earth. And I asked the Lord, I just said, God, what is it you're looking for? And what I sensed God saying was, I am looking for trust and obedience on the earth. And where I find trust and obedience, I will pour out my blessing. I really think this is an invitation, obviously, to trust. But I also think it's an invitation to encounter more of God's presence, more of the activity of heaven, more of the inbreaking favour of God. I really believe that the Lord wants to release his supernatural grace in a way that we've not seen before. And in my mind, that, that was depicted by angels being released. I don't know if we're going to see angels. I know some people see angels. I've not really seen angels. Um, I've been aware of different possibilities and presences within rooms. And I've sensed that God has been with me. I've been aware that angels are even in the room and been there with me once or twice. But I'm, I just have a sense that I'm reaching forward this year towards something I've not seen before. And I believe that that invitation is open to every single person in this room. <coughs> that you're going to see heaven touching earth in profound ways. <coughs> and there's no shortcut to it. There's only one way that you can encounter more of God in your life in 2019. And that is to cultivate a deeper relationship with God. To learn to trust him and to obey him when he speaks. There's, there's no short way around. 
And the beauty of that is, if there was a short way around, you wouldn't want to take it. If it was just God's power and intervention without intimacy with him, it would be worthless. We all know it. Actually, the, the beauty is in the journey. The beauty of God's power being poured out is what that does to us and how that reveals something about him and how that leads him closer to us and us closer to him. So it's twofold. It's a deeper intimacy with God and it's an experience of his grace. Elijah was somebody who had cultivated an incredibly deep trust He had matured his habit of trust and obedience to an extraordinary level. So I want to just look at one of the moments in Elijah's life, because I think it just, it reveals something of where God is taking each of us. So turn to 1 Kings and chapter 18. I'm going to read in the NLT, and I'll, I'll put it up on the screen for anyone that doesn't have a Bible with this is pretty cool. See this picture here? This is taken roughly in the spot where our story happens in the Bible. So this is from the, the top of Mount Carmel. And uh, it's looking out over the sea, um, somewhere near Haifa. Um, and this is where we pick up our story. So. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Just to set the scene, this is after years of drought and desperation in the land of Israel. So the water's run out a number of years ago. Elijah has been on the run. He's uh, uh, a hunted prophet by King Ahab because it was... It was Elijah that announced that the famine was coming in the first place, and he's been sustained first by the brook of Cherith, where he was drinking from the brook, and ravens came and fed him everything he needed. And then when that dried up, he ended up meeting the widow of Zarephath, who had this, another miracle where the oil and the, the flour never ran out. And for a couple of years, he was staying in Zarephath with this widow and her son, in hiding for his life, while the whole country just dried out and just became in desperate famine. And so this is now, after that's happened, uh, Elijah has been, sorry, there's a, a lot of backstory. Uh, Elijah has been asked to go and see Ahab again. Uh, he's confronted Ahab and he said, right, it's time to have a showdown. You bring your prophets of Baal, I will meet you on Mount Carmel and we'll see who's the real God. Whether it's Baal, who's being worshipped by Ahab and Jezebel and the, the king's house, or whether it's the one true God. And so they have this amazing showdown where uh, God sends fire from heaven onto a wet sacrifice. And uh, I just love that idea. We could do that in Totnes. Um, and uh, proves who he is. And all the prophets of Baal get slaughtered. It's pretty gruesome, really. Um, and then this is the next conversation. That's quite a backstory, isn't it? Then Elijah said to Ahab, get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. You see how significant that is. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. 
Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. And finally, the seventh time his servants told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab and tell him, Climb into your chariot and go back home, for if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. I love this story. On so many levels, I absolutely love this story. Can you see the maturity of the spirit of Elijah? You see how much trust he has in God. Like right from the very beginning, Elijah, it's like he's seen it in his spirit. He already knows what's going to happen. He can already see the wind blowing these rain clouds in off the sea. He can already feel how heavy that thunder's going to be. He can see it in his spirit, even while the, the ground is still cracked beneath his feet. Even while there's still this heavy doubt in the air, even though it seems impossible, hardly anyone can remember what rain feels like anymore. It's so desperate, it's so impossible, it seems like it's never going to happen, yet within the spirit of Elijah there is a certainty that he's managed to get hold of that conditions how he deals with the whole situation. And I love the way he sends this uh, slave to go and see if the cloud is there. Seven times! I'd love to have just been a fly on the wall to see what that was like, that conversation like between the fifth and the sixth or something. Yeah, still no rain. What are you doing here? Go back. You know. And uh, him sort of coming back with his tail between his legs. Don't know what to say. I've been looking. There's no rain. Um, no clouds coming. And Elijah's like, well... Get back out there, get back out there, get back out there. That's awkward, isn't it? All, awkward to do. I don't know what relationship Elijah had with his slave, whether he got irritated with him. And said, get yourself back up on the hill. Or whether it was, uh, he was, he would chuckle and say, well, on you go then, back up. But um, after a while, it, if I was that slave, I wouldn't know what to say. After you felt like you'd stared at the horizon for long enough and still there's nothing there. Elijah was not given up. He was willing to cope with a bit of awkwardness because he had laid hold of this truth of what God wanted to do so deeply. And it was like he was saying, I am not moving until you've shown me in the natural what I've perceived in my spirit. I am not moving from this spot. It said he planted his feet. He crouched down. He put his head between his knees. Almost like he was giving birth by the sounds of it. And he prayed until he saw it. And it's like I'm not budging from this, this place until at least I see something. At least I see the first cloud come. Do you know how to pray like that? I want to know how to pray like that. There's a saying in Pentecostal circles, to pray through, to pray till something happens. And I believe that that's the kind of trust and obedience 
that God is calling us to as a church. A church of people who know, firstly, how to get hold of what God wants to do. To lay hold of his purposes. To see something in the spirit that God is desperate to achieve. What is God's priority? And then to lay hold of it in such a way that I am going to pray until I see something happen in this area. I believe that's the kind of trust and obedience that attracts the intervention of God. So that's the first thing. He perceived God's purposes and he, he says, I'm not moving it until uh, I see what you've already shown me, God. Secondly, he was willing to actually give himself to partner with God in prayer and to pray it in. And I know I, it feels like I've just said that, but do you know what? It's really easy to carry something that God has shown you and to feel passionately about it, but not actually discipline yourself to get to prayer. I'm guilty of this, of seeing things and something breaks your heart and you think that, Lord, what are you showing me? And something like a prayer burden is laid upon you. So God shares something with you that he's passionate about and you carry it as a passion and as a bugbear and you talk about it. But do you spend hours in prayer about it? And say, God, I want you to hear my utterances. I want you to hear my prayer. I want to pray this burden back to you. And I'm going to discipline myself to spend time in the day actually praying for this issue. It's easy to carry it and not to pray about it, right? It's easy to see people around you that are hurting and feel moved to do something about it. And it just stays as a feeling and a, a want to move, but never pray and never move. It's easy to walk through life that way. Elijah knew that there was something about him wrestling in prayer that was going to make it happen. And unless he put his head between his knees and prayed, there was going to be no rain, even though he knew God wanted to send it. What's that all about? God did not want to do it without Elijah. There was something about his spiritual wrestling that brought God's will to bear. We need to be those who are willing to give ourselves for the things that God shows us and to get passionate in prayer in 2019. Amen? Number three, he pushed through until something happened. How many of us would have thrown in a towel the second time the servant came back and said, I can't see anything? It's easy to do, isn't it? Third time, fourth time, whore. It's not, it's test, that's testing then. How many of us have had things that we're passionate about and we, we set off on the right foot praying about them? But after a while of not seeing the answer, it just gets a bit harder, doesn't it? It gets hard to sustain. To keep going and to hear that word from God, go back, go back, go back. Don't close your eyes. Don't stop looking. I, tarry until it comes. Pray until something happens. Have you heard that phrase? <clears throat> Maybe that's a word for somebody here. Maybe there is something that you have tarried in prayer for for many years. Something that maybe God has laid upon your heart and you've embraced it as something of a call on your life to pray for an issue and to see some change in an area. But you've got tired and you've stopped looking and you've stopped praying. And I believe the Lord would say, go back. Go back, pick it up again. Just go back, just pray until you see something happen. 
your life is not going to feel peaceful and content. It's not going to feel fulfilled until you see something happen in that area because I'm calling you to pray. I haven't taken that call away. Number four, Elijah was not at all discouraged by the smallness of the cloud. I'm going to cloud the size of a man's hand. It's almost like the Lord's got a sense of humour, isn't it? How would you feel if God had given you this mighty prayer burden and you were praying and you were praying and you were praying and you were praying seven times? You pushed through, you were really going for it, and the answer was a cloud the size of a man's hand. Some of us would be tempted to say, well, what was the point? <laughs> That's human nature. But what did Elijah do? Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. It was enough. Something about seeing that first glimmer of God moving was enough for Elijah to encourage him to know that he had the answer to his prayer in full, just by seeing that sign. Just that little bit was enough. I want to be like that. I want to have that kind of maturity of faith that when I see God begin to move in something, I know, I know that I know that I know it's begun. God's God's moving has begun. God has stopped to pour out what he said he was going to pour out and just to lay hold of it and run with it. Don't you want to be like that? Yes. Not just to give up because of despising small beginnings. Too many of God's purposes are just thrown out because they don't look impressive enough on day one. But that's how it begins. One of my heroes, George Muller, uh, was a hero in this regard. I mean, he saw the orphans of Bristol, this is in Victorian times, uh, and there was absolutely nothing being done for them. They, he saw kids literally living under bridges and scratching about in bins. And it broke his heart. It was a burden that he carried and they, he just could not get over that this was not okay and that something had to be done and he felt God wanted to do something for these kids. And so God gave him the vision of building an orphanage. And the orphanage was going to cost a fortune. In today's money, it was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. And then once you've built it, how on earth are you going to sustain all these hungry mouths? And yet, it wouldn't go away. He could see the orphanage in his mind's eye. And he knew that God was calling him to build it. And so, he was a real man of prayer. So he just prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and said, God, if you want me to do this, would you provide? Do you know what the point was when he knew that God was on his side and he was going to provide every penny of those hundreds of thousands of pounds to build that orphanage? is when a little kid came up with the smallest penny you can imagine. Um, this was a, a, one of the orphan kids, thrust it in his hand, and he says, this is for you, mister. That's all he said, and he ran off. And he looked at this penny, and for him that was the cloud the size of a man's hand. Just that tiny penny, a fraction of what it was gonna cost, he knew it had begun, that God was gonna provide. It was enough. And he, he set ahead um, getting some plans built up. He started to create the blueprints to build this um, first orphanage. And he ended up building 
several orphanages. And what's more impressive than that, it, it, these cost thousands and thousands of, thousands of pounds to maintain and to support these kids. Hundreds of kids coming through. And uh, they never ever told anyone about their needs, their financial needs. They just took it to the Lord. It was just a prayer thing. And it was such a miracle of provision, not just the building of these incredible orphanages, but also the sustaining of them, that they published the, his books that he'd been keeping, the, the accounts. Uh, because these accounts were like a written miracle of provision unfolding. And people got saved by reading the accounts. That's got to be a good day for an accountant. <laughs> <coughs> Don't despise small beginnings. When God has laid something on your heart, when you're hungry to see something change and you're praying through, if what, ha what changes is small, that's when you've got to start dancing. That's when you've got to start thanking God. That's when you've got to start believing that more is coming. Don't give up at that point. So trust and obedience. What are you trusting God for? Right now, just have a think. What are you trusting God for right now? You can't learn to trust God if all of your prayers are easily answered by yourself. If all of your prayers are about meeting your own needs and about the basic provision of life. Those are important. There's nothing wrong. You've got to pray those prayers. But if you're praying for situations that you can do something about and you can change and you're only praying just to get your basic needs met, that is very basic trust and obedience. If you want to go on an adventure with God, you have to start trusting God for something that you have no power to change. You have to start taking some risks. You have to start putting yourself out there and putting your life on the line for something that you cannot change unless God shows up. That's the only way to grow in trust. It's the only way that if he doesn't catch you, you will fall. And that takes a willing heart to do that. It takes a desire to know God in that way because it's uncomfortable. But there is no easier way to know how to learn how to trust God more deeply. And what about obedience? What has God told you to do? What was the last thing that God asked you to do, and did you do it? I'm asking myself the same question. It's really difficult to be a person of obedience if you have no instructions. So what has God told you to do? Now, there's some of you here that will be thinking, well, I like the sound of this. I want to go on an adventure for deeper trust and obedience in 2019. I want to see God do more through me. I want to see more uh, achieved through prayer. I want to see the miraculous happen around me. I want to get to know God better that way. But how? How do I get a burden or a vision from God? And how do I get instructions from God? There's no shortcut. That's prayer. If you want to know, God will show you. you just got to keep going back and going back and going back. Seven times if necessary. It's about spending time with God and saying, God, I want to get to know you better. I want to make my life count. 
What do you want me to do? Show me what breaks your heart. sorts of things I might say in my notes but I want to leave it there I want to pray I want to give opportunity for people to respond and there's a few uh, different categories of people that I believe that the Lord wants to minister to this morning so if we could have our band back up that'd be great as I was praying for you this morning um phrase that I recently read in a book came back to me and that is of being deep bone tired some of you this morning may resonate with this I love the idea of adventure I love the idea of wrestling in prayer I love the idea of stepping out in faith and being obedient but I'm tired I'm really tired maybe you've been beavering away on the last thing that God told you to do or the last calling that God gave you for a long time and you're just worn out and I believe the Lord wants to minister to you this morning I believe the Lord wants to lift some of that tiredness off and he might even give you some wisdom as to how you can take a rest and a, a real rest but I believe the Lord wants to speak to some people who are deep bone tired just absolutely worn out and the thought of entering 2019 with adventure is a nightmare. I want to pray for you, you this morning. There's another group of people that um, I believe God has been calling you to make a move for a while, a significant move, and he's been uprooting you. And you've been aware for a little while that actually God doesn't want you to stay where you are too much longer. He's been sort of unsettling the nest, and you've been aware of it. But you've been resisting. You've been thinking of all sorts of excuses of why you should stay where you are. And I believe the Lord is saying it's time. It's time to acknowledge that I'm calling you out of where you're, you are at the moment. And um, you've got to put your house in order because I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lead you to somewhere new. And I'm going to make you a blessing. And then there's a third group of people. And that is those of you who are terrified of <coughs> missing the thing that you were born for. I think there's people here that are really worried that they will have missed the boat, missed God's best for your life, or that somehow you've blown it, it's passed you by, and you're left on the shelf. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you as well, because that's not true. I believe the Lord will pick us up wherever we are, but actually you need to get that heavy stone out of your heart this morning. So let's stand, I'm going to pray. <coughs> And we're going to worship. And if any of those things resonate with you, I want you to just not worry about anybody else in the room, but I want you to come forward for some prayer. I want our mission community leaders to be willing to come forward and pray for people. Let's uh, do it at the front here. Because I believe God wants to do some business with us this morning. Father, I want to thank you for this call to trust and obey and to see your kingdom come in power. 
to be those who can stand in dry places and already hear the rain in our ears even before we see it. To sense in our spirits something that you want to do and then be willing to tarry for it until it comes. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that those of us who just need a blessing from you to even begin this journey, this call that you placed upon our lives, to have faith that you will lead us and you will bring us forward and we will see your kingdom come in fresh ways this year. Lord, I just pray that you administer to every person here that needs that touch of your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.